You know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a fraction of what they really have? The streaming service actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only about 6,000 of those are available in the good old US of A. That means you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows. Unless, of course, you use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location, protecting your devices from unwanted snooping and allowing you to control where streaming services and other websites think you're located. There are over 100 different locations to choose from, which means you have access to thousands of new shows and movies no matter where you live. This doesn't just work with Netflix, it works with Disney+, Hulu, Max, a UK streamer called BBC iPlayer, and more. I was on a work trip in the UK during the final season of Game of Thrones, and I tried logging into my HBO account to watch a new episode, but the technology wouldn't let me because of geoblocking. And I wish I had this app at that moment, because I now realize how incredibly easy it is to work around that problem. Here's a more recent example. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is not streaming on Netflix in the US, but I just fired up the episode where Dennis tries to have a peaceful mental health day, and technology keeps interrupting his plans. All I had to do was open ExpressVPN, connect to a UK server, refresh Netflix, and the show just popped up. It's super easy. I've also heard good things about that show called Billions, but I've never been a Showtime subscriber, so I've never seen it. But it's actually available right now on Netflix in South Korea, and with ExpressVPN, it took five seconds to switch over and start checking it out. With ExpressVPN, you get high-quality streaming from devices like your phone, laptop, tablet, and TV, and crucially, it protects your privacy and security to keep your information safe from hackers. Stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you all three extra months free when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash slash film. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slash film to get three extra months completely free. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Home Daily for Friday, October 21st, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Home Editorial Director Peter Serretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Home News Writer Ryan Scott. Hey, hey, everyone. How's it going? Okay, Ryan, we only have two stories to discuss today. We always go long. Whenever it's you and me, we like talking, we like discussing things. But I think today we're actually going to do an under 30-minute episode. Uh, you're, I think you're really underestimating how much I like hearing myself talk. I think that might be the. <laughs> okay, we, we do have some uh, uh, two big topics. Let's start off today with what's going on over at Warner Brothers Discovery, specifically DC Films. So Walter Hamada, who was the president of DC Films, he was, would you describe him as the Kevin Feige of DC Films? No, because Kevin Feige has a really unique position within Hollywood. Like, uh, there's there really there really isn't another position <laughs> like his that exists. It's very hard to explain, but like, but um, Walter Hamada was the head of a division, and that division happened to be DC Films. He did not have as much latitude as a guy like Kevin Feige has. Um, he certainly was in charge of kind of steering the ship, but you know, Feige is like the the unquestioned leader <laughs> you know and and hamada for as much as he he had respect he was not unquestioned as as i understand it 
Yeah, definitely. It seems like uh, he was always being questioned by other uh, aspects of within Warner Brothers, within uh, DC Comics. Right. Yeah. And well, and well, the other thing, too, is, and again, Hamada, you know, Hamada's not as public facing. He doesn't get out there and talk as much. Uh, but the one thing about Hamada, like Kevin Feige has a knack for attracting talent. Um, and one of the things I, I've heard recently is that Hamada, one of the areas he sort of fell short a little bit is that he didn't have as much of a knack for sort of like uh, courting and nurturing talent in the way that like a guy like Feige has. So that's kind of an interesting difference. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so why, why is Hamada out at, at Warner Brothers? Yeah, so in case anyone missed this this week, uh, and just a little bit of backstory here, Walter Hamada took over as president of DC Films in early 2018. For those remembering the timeline here, uh, the theatrical cut of Justice League was released in November of 2017. So this was a particularly tumultuous time for DC Films. Um, but under his leadership, we had Aquaman, Joker, both make well over a billion dollars, um, you know, the, the expansion onto HBO Max with stuff like Peacemaker, very critically successful movies like Birds of Prey and The Suicide Squad, even though those underperformed at the box office. So and, and he and he was still sort of inheriting things and trying to sort of steer the ship his way. And he did have plans, but things were contentious after the Warner Brothers merger with Discovery. The new CEO, David Zaslav, as we all know, has been doing a lot of things sort of changing things around he wants a kevin feige hamada was not going to be that guy for him and after batgirl was canceled that was kind of the last straw so um what we had heard is that he was going to leave after black uh, black adam was released well turns out he was already done as of earlier this week uh he has not been in meetings uh and the only thing left hanging is he's negotiating his exit his contract had ran through 2023 so whatever payout is there he opted not to take a development deal at the studio so he is done with warner brothers discovery entirely indicating that it was kind of a bitter situation okay so i guess what does this you wrote a whole article on slashfilm.com i'll link it in the show notes but give me the cliff notes what what does this mean for the the future of dc well what it means right now is that nobody is at the head of that division um, and the Hollywood Reporter dropped kind of a bombshell late last week. Uh, and what they describe is like there's a land grab going on right now with a bunch of powerful filmmakers and, and A-list stars. Like you have Dwayne Johnson, who sort of shoehorned a certain A-list cameo into Black Adam against Tamada's Wishes. Um, you have James Gunn pitching and setting up other DC movies right now. You have J.J. Abrams off to the sidelines still trying to get things done. You have Matt Reeves expanding his corner of the Batman universe, setting up like possible villain films. So there's all of this stuff happening because <laughs> people see an opportunity and they're smart. They know how to navigate the business. If there's something they want, now is the time. Um, I, you know, that, that, so what you have is Michael DeLuca and, and um, <clears throat> uh, Pam Abdi, who are currently the uh, Warner Brothers Motion Pictures co-chiefs, um, they are kind of heading up DC temporarily, but they are also the head of all of Warner Brothers Pictures. So they cannot devote their time to that. So right now, DC just doesn't have someone at the top of the food chain when they desperately need someone at the top of the food chain. Um, meanwhile, David Zaslav has desperately tried to get someone to take on the DC film's president role, 
And they that person ideally would sort of oversee everything from the movies to the TV shows, much like what Feige does. The problem is there's very few qualified people for that job. And the couple of people that they've <laughs> kind of extended offers to don't want the job. Like they got really close with Dan Lin, but his production company, there were some issues there. And, and it basically it came down to he didn't want to abandon his production company. Um, so, yeah, there's Emma Watts, too, who used to like help run 20th Century Fox. Apparently, they've kind of circled back to her twice, and she's kind of like... <laughs> now, again, this is all sort of like, you know, hearsay, but the, the, it seems like she just doesn't want the job. So, all I'll say about that is, that, look, I'm not in on these conversations, but I, I, there's no question that job would pay very well. It would be... It, it, there's a lot of positives to that job. So, if somebody wanted that job, someone would have that job right now. Well, I, I think the thing is here, Ryan... If that job was, okay, we're starting over and you're going to be the head of DC Films going forward, I feel like that job would be a, a not an easy job, <laughs> but it would be a fun job to do. No, but, but for the, the – yeah. The problem but, is you're inheriting all, this, all these loose ends. Like you can't get rid of this Joker thing. You got Matt Reeves. You got, uh, you know, uh, The Rock, and you got uh, – they want to bring Henry Cavill back. Like it's like – but you got to create your own thing, and you got to create a concisive DC universe, or do you? I don't even – like it, it feels like that's the part that would make me not want to be involved. Right. And I don't think it's necessarily an issue that because I think one of the things that DC could have that works well is like you can have stories that are not anchored to all this interconnected universe continuity. I don't think that's a bad thing. But I think the problem is right now is you might eventually get to a brand confusion thing the way that it's all going. And I think you just need someone at the top to sort of decide how are we going to do this? How are we going to brand this stuff? How are we going to funnel all of it? And I do think with with Hamada leaving right now at a particularly bad time. And them having kind of a power vacuum at the top for a little bit. My best guess, and this is sort of like a, I wouldn't put great Vegas odds on this, but I would guess ultimately this will be the first domino and a series of dominoes that falls that leads to a hard DC Universe reboot at around, I'm going to peg it at about 2025. Uh, because I do think what you're going to have to do is, yeah, you need Joker Folly Adu to come out. You can't stop that train. You're going to have a Batman sequel come out. You can't stop that train. You have several of these, uh, like Aquaman 2, some of these other movies, you can't stop those trains. But I think at some point, someone's going to have to come in and say, look, we got to figure this out. And, you know, like right now, you're almost sort of like restarting the Snyderverse by bringing Cavill back. I don't know how all this ends up, but I do think at some point someone's going to come in there and say, look, not that some of this stuff isn't working, but we got to clean the slate and figure out a way to make this clean. And my best guess is you get a couple of sequels and and for better or for worse, we get a hard reset here in a few years. OK, but who is going to be the person to head that up? <laughs> Honestly, I feel, like, he, I, I feel like usually when we pose this kind of question on the podcast, like it's usually like filmmakers and we usually have like a ton of our pet answers that we would like to see of, you know, who should, you know, head up this franchise or this film. But I feel like this is like a tough question because like you said, there's nobody like Kevin Feige. No. And I think the idea is you got to get away from 
you know, that wanting a Kevin Feige thing because he just doesn't exist. I've said this a million times. If there was another Kevin Feige out there, someone would have scooped him up a long time ago and paid that him or her that per or, or them, whatever they, they would have paid that person a King's ransom to do what Feige does. Um, I think maybe what you need is, is you might need a couple of people. You might need a Kathleen Kennedy type mega producer and then like a creative type, maybe like a James Gunn, maybe like a Jeff Johns, maybe like a, you know, I'm trying to think of who that might be, but, but you might need to combine two different skill sets to get that to, to ultimately make what you want. And I understand even having two people as opposed to one, the idea of like this, this monarch type being, you know, it, 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 but, but that may not exist. So. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do this because I, I like, even with the branding problem that you have, I don't like. Do you put like a new DC logo in front of those other movies that like label them as Elseworld kind well, of? Well, I think tales? that's the thing. Even if you just had like someone at the top saying, and just like again, it's like training people. Like if you just had these are Elseworlds tales, you know, like Marvel did good with that with What If, you know, like hey, this is just you know, this is just. Like, hey, what? So if you just labeled them as Elseworlds Tales or something, you know, but like right now, I mean, I think the box office has been good for stuff like Joker and the Batman. So largely people don't care, you know, like if the movie's good, they'll go see it. But um, it's too bad that they can't use the Flash, which is still coming out despite everything that's going on yeah yeah it's too bad that they can't use that to like reboot everything and well rumor way... has it rumor has it that's still kind of what's happening and that's also partially why they're so adamant about making that movie come out because i guess supposedly that offers them some backdoor to to <laughs> you know i'm not sure what they have planned but um and also that movie's apparently been testing through the roof yeah. like apparently they made a very good movie um, you know, there's also been rumors floating around that George McKay, who was in 1917, is being eyed to possibly be the next Barry Allen, like, regardless of what happens with this next Flash movie, like Ezra's going to be done. And then even if they make a sequel, it'll be someone else, which I think makes sense. But it makes sense unless this movie makes a ton of money. But well, no, even if this movie makes a ton of money, like, I don't <laughs> think. I think you go, you know, the public's not, you know, we've had many, many high level casting changes before and people are fine. It's just, I think that that's, you know, yeah. um, the, the I, I still, I guess for me, the, the top of the D to answer your original question, I still say Greg Berlanti's the guy you give him a chance. Um, th that's the only guy I see that has proved that he can do this sort of thing in the DC sandbox, even if it was on TV. The guy has an insane track record of success. Give him some executive level support at the movie studio and give give Berlanti the create. You have nothing to lose by giving a guy like that a big sandbox to play in. Do you think he would want it, though? I feel like he's. Yeah. Already oh, yeah. It. I think Berlanti would love that job. Hmm. OK, let, let's talk about money. I, I know th uh, this weekend Black Adam comes out. Uh, I hate to put you on the spot, but do we know how that is tracking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually just wrote up. Uh, it um it, it made seven point six million in Thursday previews, which is good. That's a good number. Um, but it's still tracking a little soft, like still closer to sixty than seventy million. Um, the only thing so there is though like is that Shazam like Shazam kind of numbers. Well, right. So so what so I, what I was gonna say is so Shazam made like fifty eight million. 
but Aquaman made like 68 million opening weekend. However, what the big difference between those two is the global grosses. Shazam made like 350 worldwide, whereas Aquaman made 1.1 billion worldwide. So the thing is, like, depending on the appetite of the international audience is what's going to make the difference there. Um, and so I think with The Rock being such a global superstar, I think with audience um, uh, reception to the movie being much better than critics so far, I think you have a chance for this movie to kind of, I mean, this is way overshooting it, but like, I think uh, you may be looking at like a 500 to 550 million global grocer with like a very heavy domestic international split, like 70, 30, something like that, as opposed to being closer to 50, 50. Uh, that would be my best guess. I still have not seen the movie, but you, you saw it. Uh, what did you think of black Adam? Um, it is absolutely, a, a, it is straight up a basic superhero movie. That is probably like, because we've just seen this type of thing so many times before, it's going to be a little bit, it's going to, it's probably not going to impress a lot of people in the critic world that do this all the time, but I think your average moviegoer is going to love it. I ultimately, I don't want to say much about the movie itself. I ultimately landed that I think Black Adam would have been better off not being in a solo movie, at least not first. Um, I think he would have been better off like either as the villain villain in Shazam or like the idea that I still loved was that before James Gunn got Suicide Squad, the idea for Suicide Squad 2 was to have Task Force X going after a weapon of mass destruction. And you would have found that that weapon of mass destruction was Black Adam. I always loved that idea. And I love like him being sort of a powerful weapon that is not good nor evil and sort of existing in the DC universe as that sort of thing. Um, yeah, the problem is once you get The Rock involved and then The Rock becomes a huge movie star, then it's like we need to give him his own movie. Right, he I think that's be. the thing is once The Rock became a big movie star, like the same reason he didn't want to be in more Fast and Furious sequels, he rather he wanted to make Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah, And I think the weird thing is The Rock tends to work better like and I love the rock, but like he works better in like an ensemble. He always has. If you look at like all the movies that he's been in that have been better, like when he doesn't have to shoulder the whole thing, he's better at it. Um, so, you know, I don't know. We'll see. I'd I think still, I still think he's perfect in the role. And like, that's almost what's most frustrating is that he is like straight up born to play this part, but <laughs> it's just about getting the right situation for him. Yeah. Why can't he get a good script? Like he seems like such he seems like he would be such a good person to work with. But nobody has anything bad to say about him. I think he, like, I think if there was a shred of dirt on the rock, someone would have said it by now. People seem to love the guy. Like, people that work with him, that's why he's had people that work with him his whole life. But I think the thing is that, like, it gets to a point, like, James Cameron had a quote about this or something at one point where, like, you get to a point where you're so famous and so important where, like, people are afraid to say no to you. And, like, and I wonder if there's maybe a little bit of that in his circle now where, it's almost hard to kind of work around the guy because he is so famous and so hard to say no to that. Like developing a movie around him is almost a challenge in that way. Hmm. Okay. Let's talk about the next big superhero movie. And I'm talking about black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, this is coming out next month, right? Like uh, mid uh, November, November 11th, November 11th. Yes. Uh, the day before my birthday. Uh, so we we're starting to get the, the first tracking for this. And I'm, I'm actually very interested in this because the first film was a phenomenon. 
you know, it, it grows 700 million domestically, 646 internationally. That's 1.34 billion worldwide. And, uh, you know, this movie, obviously, people have been anticipating this since that came out, uh, but it doesn't have Chadwick Boseman. And uh, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how it's going to do. So what is the first uh, the first tracking telling us? So the er, the first official tracking numbers have arrived for uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and it is telling us that the movie is going to debut to around $175 million. Now, that would be by far a November record, uh, which uh, amazingly, it's still the Hunger Games catching fire that holds the November record. Uh, I think it's around $156 million. Um, the other thing to consider is that... Um, uh, the marketing, the big marketing push is just happening. Like right now, Disney waited till the last few weeks. Wisely, you start pushing this hard. Reviews have not come out yet. If this movie is as good as those trailers lead us to believe, buzz and word of mouth could help push this even higher. I, and another thing to remember is that for some of these big movies, even before the pandemic, tracking has been wildly unreliable at times. The one I always go back to is that it, was tracking, and this would have been huge. It was tracking for sixty million, and it ended up making a hundred million. Now that you know, so I mean, that just and same thing. We were, I remember one of the first times you ever had me on the podcast. We were talking about, <laughs> do we think Spider Man No Way Home can cross a hundred million dollars? And it made two sixty opening weekend. Yeah. You know, so so and Suicide Squad back in twenty sixteen destroyed projections. Um, and tracking for Top Gun was way off as trapping, well. I was just, that was the next one. So, I mean, sometimes these things happen. So I'm saying uh, the, the big thing is everyone wants to compare the two. Okay, so fine. So Black Panther opened to 202 million. When you're talking about numbers this big, 175 to 202 is not that much. Good, Some good critical praise and and uh, a, a, good, a last good marketing push, you easily match that number. Um so, you know, that one set, but, but let's be clear, 175 would be phenomenal. Not all sequels make more than their predecessor. It's just not how it works. So like, you know, 1.3 billion was always astonishing for Black Panther. It could have made half that and it would have been a hit. So I think without Chadwick Boseman, you know, we need to like tempering expectations is important. Like 175 is a gigantic hit. You know, there that would be nothing to shy away. But I also don't, but I also believe it has every chance to exceed that. Yeah, well, and it's also the original Black Panther was just a a great movie. Like, you know, two hundred and seven million opening weekend, and then going on to seven hundred. That that multiplier is over the three times that like is what you normally shoot for. The, the well, three times I think is you, like considered a success. Usually, it's like two point five. Yeah, I was gonna say two point five is good. Three times is great. So yeah. when you get to three, what? Yeah, three point five over 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 a weekend <laughs> that big. That's great. Um, yeah, I, I'm wondering if this will have the emotional like uh, uh, what was the Fast and the Furious that uh, Paul Furious Walker, Seven Furious Seven w- will it have that emo- like the trailer makes me think so that will well like- yeah no and I agree with you um and just like for just so people understand what that can do in a big franchise yeah and by the way I want to say uh, obviously we are not um. Uh, diminishing, you know, the reality situation of someone's death and what it equates to box office money for a big corporation. But it does 
equate into the numbers. No, but I think Bozeman meant a lot to a lot of people. And yeah. I think the idea of, of this movie being largely a tribute to his legacy in a lot of ways, that's important. And that means something to people. And these numbers, yes, they ultimately like go to Disney, but I also think it's a signal to how much that legacy means. And it's, and it, and yeah. so just for example, fast and furious six made 97 million opening weekend, 789 million worldwide. Furious 7, following Paul Walker's passing, 147 opening weekend, 1.5 billion worldwide. Still by far the highest grossing entry in that. So, you know, sometimes, you you know, sometimes that, that, that can, you know, that can, that can be, be a, be a big deal. So we'll see, but. But the, um, the the thing that this doesn't have going for it is like uh, if you look at uh, in, in this respect, if you look at uh, comps of like the Dark Knight, uh, with you know obviously the passing of Heath Ledger led to that movie uh, doing probably more than it probably would have, I would think, and uh, Fast Seven, uh, but those movies had the actors in them. Yeah, that's true, and I was going to bring that up. That that's very true. Um, but I but I think that given given the what black panther did and how shocking bozeman's passing was um you know it's like he's not in it but everyone feels it you know everyone knows that and it's and it's a uh, it's an interesting because i agree with you it, you know he was still in there and you're like you're getting to go see their last movie or whatever but like um yeah i don't know we'll see i mean it, it's I, I mean, I think no matter what, this movie probably gets to a billion unless the reviews are terrible, you know, like unless like for some reason, like just it's a mess of a movie and, you know, but like and again, you know, Marvel's only curse is its own gigantic success. You know, when a movie doesn't make like a billion dollars, everyone's like, oh, well, you know, was it a failure? And I'm like, look, man, Thor Love and Thunder making 750 million is a hell of a thing. So, you know, you just got to. You just got to, you know, I mean, it's just tempering those expectations against Marvel's own crazy train of success. Okay, Ryan, if I had to put you on the spot right now and ask you, is this movie going to do more than Black Panther did in its original run? What would you worldwide or opening weekend? Or domestic, like what? What are we talking? I, I'm saying uh, completely, not not just opening weekend, but the the, the entire run. Uh, let's let's say domestic, and then let's say worldwide. What do you think? Mm, that domestic number is huge. Seven hundred million. Seven hundred million. Because that's one of the. I think that's still second only to Force Awakens. Oh, is it really? It's. It might be second. It, it that might because Force Awakens was like almost a billion domestic. Like, so I know that's the number one. I think it's second or third. I think No Way Home might have passed it. Wait, no, let's look at, I can look at that right now. Yeah, No Way Home passed it. No Way Home, but I mean, I think it's third all time. So, I mean, that's a wow. big, big, big domestic number. Okay, so you're saying uh, that oh, it's fourth, probably. Sorry, it's fourth. I, I don't know about domestic, but I think worldwide, it either gets close or passes it. Especially because November, there isn't as much coming down the pipeline. Like, you don't have another huge release until Avatar 2. So it's got a lot of runway. So if the movie's good... Now, I'll say this. If the movie's good, let's say Coogler made a movie as good as those trailers lead us to believe. I think it gets close, if not passes it a little.
Yeah, no, I, I I think that really does with when we're talking about this kind of when we're talking about this kind of money it, it really d- does depend on if this is good enough like the opening weekend is going to be the opening weekend and it's going to do monster money but how long it has legs is going to really depend on how good of a movie it is and the the original black panther was in theaters for 45 weeks which is kind of insane yeah, well, I think, like, just to give people some perspective, um, Black Panther Wakanda Forever opens November 11th. The next big movie coming out, arguably, is Strange World from Disney, but that's not really going for the same audience. No. And then you've got, like, stuff like Violent Night, you no. know, in early December. So, really, it is not till Avatar The Way of Water until... What is that? Um, December, December 16th. So, it's got a full month and change before another big movie comes in to swoop on. So, I mean, you know. And there, there's nothing. Like, like you, you look at when, you know, when uh, the first film was released, there was big stuff in, in the theaters. Like, this was, that came out, uh, actually, did it come out in November? Or did it come, it came out? It was February 2018. February. Actually, so was, there might have not been big stuff in the theaters. I'm trying to I think. can tell you right uh, now so what Pres- happened. President's I can, Day, I can, I can, it was kind of the big thing. It went against Peter Rabbit. Yeah, so I think like in that early February frame, it probably wasn't competing against a ton. But And I also think it benefited a little bit from being the last movie that came out before Infinity War. Um, but really, that movie dominated on its own merits. Yeah, I'm looking at it. Game Night, Annihilation... Death Wish. Yeah, there wasn't really anything like huge, huge to go up against Black Panther. Um, yeah, the only thing I have to say about that is Game Night was really good and you should watch it if you missed it. I, I 100% agree with you there. A wrinkle in Time, The Strangers Pray at Night. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. That I think that does this for, for today's. Oh my God. We, we got up to like 28 minutes, Brian. We did. Just it. shy of 30. Just shy. <laughs> okay you can find more of all of our work at slashroom.com you can find this podcast on apple google overcast spotify you can find our new newsletter i'll link it in the show notes you should check that out because uh, chris is running it uh send us your feedback questions comments concerns to us at peter and please rate and read this podcast on apple Podcasts. tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you on monday this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Grainger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Grainger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.